Thank you very much, Rabbi Hain. The, the Jewish tradition of, of humor tells that the following uh, apocryphal uh, anecdote. Uh, a young, brilliant Talmud Chochem accepts his first, uh, his first stella, his first position. And his, his reputation precedes him. He, he's known to be an astounding bucky, a tremendous expert in, in Shas and Shulchan Aruch. And on his first day in the job, one of the, uh, one of the women from the, uh, from the Kehillah, from the community, comes with a, comes with a question in, in, in Trefus. The, uh, the Rav looks and looks and he's, uh, he's stymied, doesn't know what to do. So one of the, uh, one of the older uh, Lamdonim in town, one of the older Rabbonim in town happens to be uh, present and he uh, whispers to him, well, it's, it's, it's a machat bekorkavan, there's a needle embedded in the, in, in, in the cross. So all of a sudden a look of uh, relief and, and recognition comes over the Rav's face and says, oh, had I known that was a machat bekorkavan, so I would have known what that what din was. So the, the, the relevance of, of the story to us this evening is that to search for something, in, in, in our case, to search for spirituality, we have to have an understanding of what genuine spirituality is and where it is to be found. Otherwise, as, as was the case with the Rav in the story, it may be, it may be looking us in the, in the face and, and we simply won't, won't recognize it. The, the Gemara Brachas, let's approach with, with, with the following Gemara. <coughs> the Gemara Brachas tells us that, that women are obligated in the mitzvah of Kiddush and Shabbos. Now this is somewhat of a, somewhat of a surprise because we would have expected following the general rule of mitzvah sasesha has mangrama that when you have a, a time-bound positive commandment, so women are generally exempt. So following that rule, we would have, we would have anticipated that women would be exempt from the mitzvah of Kiddush on Shabbos. Nevertheless, the Gemara derives that women are fully obligated in the mitzvah of Kiddush on Shabbos. What's the basis of this derivation? So we know that uh, Chazal tell us uh, a tradition that HaKadosh Baruch Ed HaSinai said Zohar V'Shamor simultaneously. Right? In, in the Aseris HaDibros as they appear in Parshas Yisrael, so it says Zochos Yama Shabbos Tekacho, remember the day of Shabbos to sanctify it. And the Aseris Adibros, when they repeat it in Parshas Vazchanan, so it says Shomos Yama Shabbos Tekacho, safeguard the day of, of Shabbos to sanctify it. So which did HaKadosh Baruch Hu say? Which version of the Aseris Adibros is, is accurate and which is a, a, a paraphrase? So Chazal tell us, right, and we, and thanks to Shlom HaLevi Alkabetz, we sing it every Friday night, that Shomos Vazochah Bedibo Echod Nemo, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu Pronounce Shama Vazocha simultaneously. Masha'ain hape yochel adabe vein haozen yochel shmoa. Our capacity, the human capacity for speech and, and for, for hearing doesn't allow us to, to pronounce two words uh, simultaneously and, and even to process it when HaKadosh Baruch Hu performs such a miracle. And yet, this is how HaKadosh Baruch Hu expressed the Aseris Adibros at the time. So why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do this? So the halachic import of, of this pronunciation of Shama Vazacha simultaneously is that it establishes an equation between the two. And that equation is, the Gemara tells us, Kol that whoever is included in the imperative of Shamor, of safeguarding Shabbos, of abstaining from doing Malacha and Shabbos, is also included in the imperative of Zohar of Shabbos of making Kiddush. So since when it comes to mitzvahs losasei, so women are always obligated, it doesn't matter whether or not the mitzvah is, is linked to, to a certain time in the calendar, so women are included in the obligation of Shomor, so Mamele, based on this Hekesh, of Kosha Yeshna B'Shomor, Yeshna B'Zohar, so women are obligated, thank you, women are obligated in the mitzvah of Kiddush as well. So that's what Koshi Yeshna V'Shama Yeshna V'Zacha means on its most basic and Thank you very much. Means on its most basic halachic level. The Svasemis interprets this drasha agatically as well. And the Svasemis says that on a deeper level, Chazal are also hinting 
at a very profound, profound principle and, and offering us a very important insight into religious life, into spiritual life. And that is Shamor, again, using a, 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 a typology here. So Shamor, again, literally refers to the, the obligation to abstain from Allah and Shabbos. And more broadly, in a symbolic, metaphorical sense, represents the, the discipline of, of Shabbos. The, the don'ts, you can't do this, you can't do this. It represents the discipline of Shabbos. Zohar, on the other hand, again, literally refers to the mitzvah of Kiddush, and symbolically refers to the more of the, 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 the positive experience of Shabbos, the davening of Shabbos, the, 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 the Kiddush of Shabbos, the singing nigunim of Shabbos. The Svasama says like this, what Chazal are telling us is, Kol if someone is committed to the discipline of Shabbos, if someone carefully, meticulously observes the, 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 the Shomor of Shabbos, that person is Yeshno B'Shomor, is, is meticulous, meticulous about making sure that, that he's complying with all the restrictions of Malocha and all the restrictions of, of Mukta, so then such a person can be Yeshno B'Zochor, then such a person will be able to tap into the deep reservoirs of Kedusha Shabbos. But it's only if it's Yeshno B'Shomor. Or in other words, what Chazal here are telling us is that Kedusha for the Torah spirituality is anchored in discipline of the Torah and that it's only when we're anchored when we have that foundation of the discipline of the Torah only then can we experience genuine spirituality the Ramban also presents this idea in context of Kedusha Shabbos the Ramban in his commentary on Lechumish Ami Aser Sadibos says that Alpi Kabbalah the night time of Shabbos corresponds to Shomor. And that Alpi Kabbalah, the daytime of Shabbos, corresponds to Zohar. Now again, that doesn't mean that uh, we only make Kiddush in the day and that uh, we, only, uh, we only abstain from Malocha at night. Right? The, 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 the imperatives are, are operative throughout the 24 hours of Shabbos. But Alpi Kabbalah, the, the Kedusha of Shabbos is not uniform. The Kedusha of a Friday night is, is rooted primarily in the Shomor dimension of Shabbos, again, which represents the discipline of Shabbos, which represents the commitment to the, to the abstaining from the law of Shabbos, whereas the Kedusha of Shabbos day, which is greater, is rooted in, this, in the element of Zohar. Again, in, in the mitzvah of Kiddush, in, in, in the positive, proactive experience of Kedusha. And says the Ramban, but again, it's implicit in the Ramban also, right? We only arrive at the Zohar building upon a foundation of Shomor. And in fact, perhaps where this idea finds its most powerful expression, I think we're all familiar, one of the great classics of, of the Musa tradition is the Sefer Mesilu Sisharim. Sefer Mesilu Sisharim is structured around the Abraisa quoted in Masachat Avodah from Pinchas Ben Yoya. And Mesilu Sisharim sequentially analyzes various uh, midos, various traits that we need to cultivate in order to perfect ourselves and in order to come closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now each of the midos he discusses are twin midos. He discusses a midah as it applies to mitzvahs lausase, to the negative commandments, and then he also discusses that very same midah as it applies to mitzvahs ase. And in each case, so for instance, the first couplet in Mesilos Hasharim is Zahirus and Zrizus. Zahirus, watchfulness, and, uh, and uh, Zrizus, a, a, a sense of, uh, of, of, of zeal. And, and, and care. Zahira's watchfulness refers to mitzvah's lo sase. It's, it's the care which a person takes to avoid anything and everything which the Torah prohibits. And Zrizus represents that same, that same degree of care, but vis-a-vis -vis the mitzvah sase of the Torah, vis-a-vis -vis the positive commandments. And in each case, and, and this this pattern follows through the, the, entire, the entire book of Mesir Sisharim. In each case, he first discusses the midah, the, the, the trait, the quality 
as it applies to the mitzvahs losa, say. That's the foundation, and it's building on that foundation that, that we come to the, the, the mitzvahs say. So again, the, the, the point which emerges from all this very clearly is that for the Torah, Kedusha is always anchored, always builds upon a foundation of the discipline which the Torah provides us. Now, let's try to understand why that's so. And let's also try to understand that on a deeper level, it's not just that the discipline of the Torah, and, and by discipline, it doesn't always translate into the mitzvah's losah, say, constituting the discipline and the mitzvah's say more of the positive experience. That's more of a topology. But why is it, again, we want to understand why this discipline is, is so fundamental and so necessary. And second of all, we also, want to, we also want to understand that on a deeper level, the discipline is, just, is not just the sine qua non for the experience of Kedusha, but itself represents a deeply, deeply spiritual routine and regimen. But let's try to understand how that is so and why that is so. There's a famous Gemara in Shabbos, with which you're all familiar, where the Gemara comments on the Pasuk in Pasha's Yisro of Ayyusyatsu Vesach Tisahar, that at the time of Kabbalah Satorah, so Klal Yisrael, the Jewish people, stood at the foot of Mount Sinai. The, the Gemara Darshans, that what this means is that Kaviyochel, as it were, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, lifted the mountain up, held it over our heads, and basically coerced us into accepting the Torah. If you'll accept the Torah, fine and fine and good. But otherwise, that's going to be the end of you. Tosus raises a very interesting question. Tosus says, but if you look in the Tzukim, B'nai Yisrael already willingly committed themselves. They already said, Nasa v'nishma, willingly. So what need was there for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to, to be heavy-handed, as it were, and, and coerce us into accepting the Torah if there had already been a voluntary commitment? The answer, I believe, points to, again, something very, very fundamental about our conception of Avodos Hashem. On the one hand, there's no question that we should serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu willingly with a sense of excitement, a sense of passion, and a sense of privilege at the, at the incomparable zechus that we have to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to endow our lives with meaning, and to live meaningfully and ultimately eternally. There's no question that that, that sense of appreciation should motivate us to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu willingly, with a sense of volunteerism, even if there were no tzivoy. And yet, that noble sense of volunteerism shouldn't and doesn't preclude a sense of obligation. A person is supposed to feel that he's a mitzvah. A person is supposed to feel that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Melech Malche HaMalochim, is a mitzvah, is the one who commands, and I, his handiwork, am a mitzvah, and I am commanded. There shouldn't only be in our avodas Hashem, in our service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there shouldn't only be this sense of voluntarism, the sense of wanting to do it. That should be there. Of course that should be there. But that should be coupled with a sense of obligation. I'm a mitzvah. I'm a mitzvah. Why? Because that, that goes to the core of who I am, what I am, because I recognize, I recognize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Borei Olam, Melech Malche HaMelochem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mitzvah. So in addition to wanting to do it, I have to feel that I'm a Mitzvah. I have to feel that I belong totally, entirely to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I have to feel that I'm totally beholden to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The discipline which the Torah imposes upon us, the fact that the Torah, as it were, the Torah, the Torah has directives for every area of life, constantly, constantly imposing a discipline, so that allows us to manifest this sense of total belonging and total beholdenness to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and that's why this regimen 
again of discipline of sacrifice, of self-sacrifice, of surrender to Ritzon Hashem is a profoundly spiritual regimen. It's not only the foundation, it's not only the sine qua non for the Zohar, but it itself is a deeply spiritual regimen. When everything a person does, can I eat this? I can't eat this. How do I, how do I cut my salad on Shabbos? Can I, if I'm cutting the salad two hours before the meal, so can I cut it into the, the Israeli salad style? Can I cut it into very small pieces? Everything. The Torah has direct source on everything. Why is that? Because we're supposed to have this sense of being a mitzvah. That's what it means to be a sense of creatureliness. It means to have a sense of being a mitzvah, of being commanded. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Melech Malchem Lochem, commands and I'm commanded. And, and, that, and that is at the core of, of a religious spiritual personality. And that's why the discipline of Torah and, and, and the, the surrendering and, and the self-sacrifice which Torah asks for is just so indispensable to genuine spirituality. It manifests that sense of beholdenness and belonging to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The, 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 the Rav was, was fond of, of discussing this theme of the need for sacrifice and surrender to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, and he would often tell the following story. I'm sure many of you, if, if not first-hand and then, then second-hand, ha- have heard this story all over the years. The story was a Maisa Shahoya. It w- was an actual, an actual episode in, in which he was involved and on which he was consulted. The, the story uh, unfolded a- as follows. There was a young Jewish man, young man from a totally assimilated background, totally assimilated background, knew next to nothing about his Jewishness. And he, he became very friendly and uh, emotionally involved with a young Gentile woman. Given his, his assimilated background, he had no qualms about, about intermarriage. So there was, no, there was no pressure on her from him or any other source to, to, to undergo any, any kind of geirus, real or otherwise, no such pressure. But nevertheless, she, totally l'shem shamayim, became interested in, in Yahadus. She wanted to find out more about Judaism. To fast forward, she studied and, and became so interested that she became a Giyaris tzedek. She converted, and what's more, she was machsuhim b'tshuva. And, and she was the, the catalyst to his becoming observant, to his being chosa b'tshuva. So they, they became engaged, and they had set a wedding date. Now, this, this young man had no father. I, th- I, think, I think that's the detail. Had no father. Someone mentioned to him that there's a custom that, that some people have that when a child gets married, if one of the parents is no longer alive, that you go out to the basel and you go out to the cemetery, and as it were, whatever this means, on whatever level this should be understood, quote, invite the, the deceased parent to the, to the chuppah. So the, the young man goes out uh, to the cemetery and he, he, he visits his father's grave and, and he's looking at the headstone and he sees this funny uh, inscription towards the top of the headstone. Sees two, 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 two hands interlocked at the, on the top of the headstone. It doesn't, doesn't know what, why it's there. So when he, when he comes back from the cemetery, so he, he asks some of his, uh, now that he's observant, he has a circle of observant friends who, who, who know more than he does, he asks them what that represents. And they tell him, well, there's a minute to put that uh, inscription on the headstone of someone who's a Kohen. So you must be a Kohen. Your father was a Kohen, you must be a Kohen. Then he finds out subsequently that a Kohen is not allowed to marry a Giyaris. So here, right, so imagine, imagine the, 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 the dilemma here. The, the, this woman's, this woman's inspired, sincere quest for Torah, for truth, led them both along this path. And now, the end of the path seems to be that, that their relationship is going to have to be sacrificed. So the question came to, came to the rough. So they, they made Jewish of a Chakira, maybe, uh, is it possible that, that the father maybe uh, had ma- been married to a divorcee, in which case 
the son wouldn't have the, the status of a Kohen, he would have the status of a Cholol, and, and would be allowed to marry Giyos, but, but none of these inquiries yielded anything. The father was uh, of impeccable lineage, the father had married a woman whom he, as a Kohen, was allowed to marry, so the son was of equally impeccable lineage. And the Rav said, he told them, you know, I'm sorry, but you're not allowed to get married. And he described how they simply, again, both literally as well as metaphorically bowed their heads and they accepted the Psak, and that's it. And, and they, they went their separate ways. They went the, she remained a, a totally committed Giyoris. He remained a totally committed Balchuva. So the Rav used to describe the heroism of it. The heroism of it. So the discipline of, of Torah is, is, is not always so dramatic, but that's what the discipline of Torah represents. It's a spiritual regimen. It's a spiritual regimen which beseeks, again, a sense of belonging to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a sense of beholdenness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and a sense that we don't draw any lines. In, in our surrendering to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there are no lines. We don't tell HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, the Torah can only dictate so much to me. But there's a point at which it gets too onerous. There's a point at which it gets too inconvenient. There are many things in, in, in the Torah which clash with modern values, which clash with, with a modern mindset, and make demands because we're so much a product of our society, of the Western society in, in which we live and in which we, we, we grew up, it makes demands which, which seem to us onerous. But ultimately, if, if, we desire, if we desire genuine spirituality, there can't be any lines as to, well, the Torah can tell me so much and not more. The Torah can't tell me how to dress. The Torah can't tell me other things like that, because that's too, it's asking too much for me. It's asking too much for me. It wasn't easy for this young couple to, to split up either. But, in so doing, in so doing, they reinforced a commitment to and an attainment of a profoundly enduring spirituality. And the spirituality which is anchored, which is anchored in this kind of spiritual regimen, in the discipline of Torah, is not just an occasional peak on the graph. It's not just an occasional high, but it's a constant and enduring spirituality. And that's why the Torah stresses, again, the discipline of Torah so much. Let's move on. We conclude our Shmonesrei every day with the paragraph Elokai Netzor L'Shoni Meira. The source for this is a passage in, in the second chapter of the Gemara in Masachas Brachos. There are different Nuschos, there are different texts of exactly how it reads. I think the one common version of the text says, That my, my soul, my soul should pursue your mitzvahs. Right? After your mitzvahs, Nafshi is the, is the subject. It should pursue your, your, your mitzvahs, your commandments. There is, and I think, I think this is actually printed in some texts of the Gemara. There is a variant reading which says, Uva mitzvah nafshi. Not achare mitzvah nafshi, but rather uba mitzvah nafshi. So what's the difference? Uba mitzvah means that the mitzvahs are not the object of pursuit. Right? That's achare mitzvah Uva mitzvah means that the mitzvahs are the instrument of pursuit. With your mitzvahs, Tirdelf Nafshi, my soul pursues. But what's the object? The object is not specified, right? According to this reading, the object is understood, not specified. 
What's understood? Understood with your mitzvahs, Uva mitzvah secha, nafshi, my soul pursues you, Hakarish Baruch. Meaning that mitzvahs should be viewed as instruments of pursuing Hakarish Baruch. Mitzvahs are not simply obligations which have to be discharged, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, these are ways to connect. Mitzvahs are bridges. Uza mitzvah secha, with your mitzvahs HaKadosh Baruch Hu, tirdof nafshi. My soul will pursue you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uza mitzvah secha. A mitzvah is a bridge. It's a bridge to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But the only thing is, the bridge is not entirely complete. How far the bridge spans depends upon how much we invest in the bridge. How much we get out of a mitzvah depends upon how much we invest into the mitzvah. How much we invest in our davening. It's one thing, it's one thing and, 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 and it's, it's to be valued on any level. A person comes three times a day Shachris, Mincha, Nairev, Davins, Betzibor. So that's a very, very important, very, very important part of his life. But then the question is, but once I come to Shul, so what do I do? What do I do? And in Shulchan Aruch it says that, that the words of Tefillah should be pronounced the way you count money. So do you ever go to the bank and, and, you, and you take out some money? So you go over to the teller. So the teller is, is counting out the money. So the teller counts and, and they, uh, they, they moisten the finger to make sure that no two bills are going to stick together. And then after they count and then they recount to make sure that they have exactly, exactly the number of, of bills that they're supposed to be giving and that they're not giving any more. So Shulchan Aruch uses this, this analogy for how we should articulate the words of tefillah. Thoughtfully, slowly, meaningfully. If we invest in tefillah, so then we'll discover, we'll discover what, what tremendous spiritual rewards there are within tefillah. But when we don't invest in tefillah, when we don't invest in tefillah, so how much of a surprise should it be to me that, that, that if, 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 if I rush through my davening with, with my mind elsewhere, how much of a surprise should it be to me that, that I walk away uninspired? Maybe just one example, one, one seasonal example. Now in Aserus Yimei Tshuva, we're saying Avinu Malkeinu. So generally, the way we say Avinu Malkeinu is we, we swallow the Avinu Malkeinu and we get to the punchline that we're interested in. Kasveinu v'sefer panos v'chalkolo, inscribe us in, in, in the book of, of, of sustenance. Kasveinu b'seifas licho mechila, inscribe us in, in the book of, of, of forgiveness. But what would be? Imagine, imagine if if davening took an extra five minutes. If an extra five minutes were allotted for davening in the morning at mincha, and when we said ovinu, we start to think about what that expresses about our relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Imagine if we stopped to think for a minute about the best the best father figure whom we ever knew in our lives. Right? For, for many of us, it would be our own father. Right? And let's say we start to think, you know, our, our own parent, our own father, had a seemingly limitless love and devotion. Seemingly limitless love and devotion. I mean, it had to, realistically, it had to be limited because our own parents a finite and, and therefore limited so it, it couldn't literally be unlimited but just think of all the love that they showered upon us and all the devotion which they showed for us and all the, the sacrifice how they put our interests before their own and then think how that is just but a pale imitation of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu feels for us Kaviyochel or Vino. So just think if, if we weren't rushing headlong to the Kosveinu B'Sefer Panos V'Chalkola, but in each of these, in each stanza, in each line, Ovinu, Ovinu. You know, the, the story is told of one of the Gedolei Hasidus. I think it was the Chose Midublin, but I'm not sure. The story is told of one of the Gedolei Hasidus, 
as, as many in very controversially did and do, so the, the davened very late in the morning. He used to daven shachas around 10, 10.30. The, the, the story is not, uh, is not intended as uh, an, any kind of endorsement for that, for that practice. But the story is, is, is nonetheless a beautiful story with, with a powerful message. So the Chosa was asked, what is this that you daven at 10.30 in the morning? Do you sleep till 9.30 every morning? Go to bed a little earlier and get up a little earlier and you'll daven bismillah. So the Chazah says, no, I, I get up, if you want to know the truth, he says, I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, every morning. And I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, I wash Nego Vasa. Then, I say Moda Ani. I say Moda. I begin to think, what does it mean to acknowledge HaKadosh Baruch What does it mean to acknowledge? Not in a perfunctory sense, but in a deep, profound sense. And then I realize that Moda has another meaning, it means both to acknowledge and to think. What does it mean to feel gratitude that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us another day of life? Then I move on to Ani, Moda Ani. I think about who am I, what am I, what should be at the core of my personality. The Fanecha, before you HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What does it mean? What does it mean to live one's life in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu before HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Says the Chose, I get up in the morning, I wash Nego Vasa, I say Moda Ani, I go straight to the base matter. So doesn't, by the time I get there, it's 10.30. So just imagine, imagine, imagine if we had a fraction of that sensitivity in our tefillah, when we said Avinu, our father. Imagine, imagine if, if, if that were invested with some thought, and therefore some meaning, and Malkeinu, and what does it mean to speak of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as, as Melech? It represents, of course, absolute sovereignty, but it also connotes an intimacy. A Melech has Avodim. Avodim come and go freely in the, in, 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 in the chamber of, of the king. So imagine if we invested, if we invested in our tefillah, so imagine what rewards there would be in terms of discovering, discovering spirituality and, and, and what a religious experience it could be. Similarly with Shabbos. Similarly with Shabbos. So how do we, how do we come into Shabbos? So we come into Shabbos, we, 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 we dash in the, the, the last minute. Our mind is not really on Shabbos. We're not in a Shabbos taken mindset because we, we, we've been so, so busy and so burdened with all our mundane obligations right until the last moment. So we're not able to flip the switch. Not able to flip the switch. Then we come to Shul. Come to Shul and Davening isn't the only isn't the only activity which uh, which uh, which goes on in show. And then somehow or other, Shabbos seems a little Shabbos seems a little empty. Shabbos seems a little empty. What would be what would be if we told ourselves no? The absolute deadline the absolute deadline is not lechbenshin, not shkia. The absolute deadline were an hour or two before Shabbos. And what would be what would be if, as the Rambam describes in Hilcha Shabbos, we, we donned our big day Shabbos, and we waited, the Rambam refers to Shabbos as Shabbos HaMelech, we refer to it more commonly as Shabbos HaMalka, and what would be if we would wait for the king or queen of Shabbos? And what would be if we tried to pass the entire day of Shabbos with Divrei Torah at the table, with Zmiros at the table, and that even the conversation should be devoted to, to, to these topics. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. But, but I can only guess, I can only guess what treasures uh, await us, are latent within Kedusha Shabbos. But we have to invest. We have to invest. The Kedusha Havim. The, the first Gary Rebbe, the, the, the simple translation of the word mitzvah is commandment. Right? The tzavos in, in Hebrew means to command. In, 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 in Aramaic, so betzavta 
also means together with together with says the Chedusha Avim a mitzvah is a bond it's, it's, it's a way we bond with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. yes it's a commandment but it's a commandment HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that it's through this commandment that you bond and that's what the sense of, 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 of mitzvah is The Ramban in, in Pashas Kedoshim presents a, a famous exposition of the Torah's mandate, Kedoshim Tihyu, to be holy. And basically, what it boils down to is the Ramban says that we have to practice abstinence even within the realm of what the Torah permits to us if we want to experience genuine Kedusha. As long as a person is mired in materialism, as long as a person's life is a life which is characterized by concern for and pursuit of pleasure, so that precludes authentic Kedusha. It doesn't preclude perfunctory compliance with mitzvahs. But genuine Kedusha is precluded. The same idea was expressed by Rabbeinu Bachir a couple of hundred years earlier in his Chovos Alvavos. But listen carefully. Rabbeinu Bachir says something very, very powerful. Very powerful. Rabbeinu Bachir says the same way water and fire cannot coexist within the same vessel, within the same clay. One of the two, either the water is going to douse the fire, or the water is going to be evaporated by, by, by the fire. They're not going to coexist side by side. So too, Rabbi Nubachi says, love of Olam Haza. And by Olam Haza, he means Olam Haza in terms of its materialism, in terms of its physicality, in terms of its comfort and pleasures and, and, and luxuries and indulgences. That's what he means by Olam Hazah, this world. Love of Olam Hazah, love of this world, and love of the world to come. And by the world to come, he means he means spirituality, he means service of HaKadosh Baruch who can't coexist either. Same way water and fire can't coexist, so too, so too, love of Olam Haza and in love of, of Olam Haba can't coexist. It's different orientations. The person's personality is primed differently. The person's personality is primed for the, for the pleasures and the comforts, physical pleasures and comforts and indulgences of Olam Haza. So then his personality is not primed for, for the spirituality. We, we operate under a myth and at our own, at our own risk, Rabbi But we operate under a myth that we don't have to choose between the two. That, that we can have both. That we can have both. But it's a myth. It's a myth. To the extent and to the degree that, that we're primed for comfort and indulgence so to that extent we're handicapped in our pursuit of Kedusha and to the extent that we partake of Olam Hazah to the extent that we need to to keep ourselves healthy to live a dignified life not to, not to be dependent upon handouts but to the extent that, to the extent that we partake of Olam Hazah again only to the degree that we're supposed to that we need to so then we can be totally open to spirituality. Then our personalities are primed for it. But we shouldn't delude ourselves or both sides into thinking that the two can coexist. They don't. And, and in honest moments of, of introspection, we recognize it. And finally, finally, Obviously, no, no discussion 
of spirituality within Yahadus, within Halacha, is complete without discussing the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. The mitzvah of Talmud Torah involvement in, in learning Torah is indispensable, absolutely indispensable for any any type of ruchnius, any type of genuine spirituality and spiritual attainment for two reasons. First of all, the Mission Pegyalvis tells us that We spoke earlier we spoke earlier about the spiritual regimen of Torah, about manifesting that sense of belonging and total beholdenness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu by subscribing to and surrendering to the spiritual regimen of Torah, by Torah drawing the lines of, 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 of our life, a person has to know. A person has to know. We said before that, that all the, the beautiful Zemiris, all the beautiful Zemiris of Shabbos, it's all undermined if, if I'm not rooted, if I'm not anchored in the Shomor of Shabbos, so I have to know what the Shomor of Shabbos entails. I have to, I have to be familiar with Hilchah Shabbos, if not to be able to answer every question, at least to know what questions to ask. So, someone once asked, asked, asked the Rav, doesn't he get just uh, exhausted and enervated from the, from the endless Shilas that he used to get? And, and he answered, the Shilas don't bother me. He says, I can, he says, the Rav Shalom gives me strength to answer, to answer questions. He says, what taxes me and, and, and what really enervates me is when people don't know how to ask a shaila, and when people don't bother asking a shaila. That, that, that taxes me. So we don't have to necessarily know all the answers in Hilchah Shabbos. We don't have to know all the answers in Taharas HaMishpacha. We don't have to know all the answers in, in, uh, in, in, in Dinama of Kashrus. But we have to know enough to ask the questions. And without Talmud Torah, Unless the Malach missed when he was uh, supposed to hit us, and uh, I don't think he, he has a pretty good aim, unless the Malach hit, we're not going to know it without, without the Talmud Torah. So for that reason, on that level, Talmud Torah is, is indispensable for, for, for spirituality. But there's another, there's another very profound reason as well. And here I'd just like to read you uh, initially in, in the original, and, and then, then we'll translate two passages which the Rav quotes. One is from the, from the Balatanya in his classic work Tanya and the other is from Ephraim Velozhana in his classic Nefesh Achayim. So the Balatanya writes as follows, When a person understands and comprehends a halacha in the Torah, his, his intellect, his mind is enveloped by that halacha at that moment. This halacha represents a facet of the wisdom and the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaRezem Masig V'Tofes B'Sichlo Ritzono V'Chachmoso Shal HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This person is apprehending is grasping with his intellect the will and the wisdom of HaKadosh Baruch Nifla. This is a wondrous, amazing sense of unity which has no equal. That's the Balatanya. A person should intend, should attempt, through his learning of Torah, to cling to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hainu, what does that mean? Lehistabek, to cling, b'chol kochosav, with all his, with all his energies, with all his faculties, l'dvar Hashem zo halacha, to the word of Hashem, which is embodied in the halacha, u'bazeh, when a person clings, he thinks, he, 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 he probes, he understands, he apprehends. When a person clings 
in this fashion, the person is clinging to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu and His will are one and the same. If we can identify, if we can cling to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will as embodied in the Torah, as available, as accessible to us through Talmud Torah, so then we cling to Him. Every din, every halacha, represents the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know, Talmud Torah, Talmud Torah poses challenges. It's hard to find time to learn. And depending upon one's, one's background, depending upon how many years of, of, of learning one has in, 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 in one's background, it can be very difficult. But here, the idea of sacrifice, of self-sacrifice that we were talking about before comes into play. You know, we spoke before about the myth of having everything, about the myth of having all the comfort of, of the indulgences and luxuries of Olam Haza and having all the spiritual treasures of Olam Haba. And unwelcome though that truth may be, Rabbeinu Bachya tells us, Ramban tells us, everyone tells us, everyone in our tradition tells us, the, the, two, the two don't coexist. The two don't coexist. So Talmud Torah also requires sacrifice. What's the sacrifice? It will vary from individual to individual. Some professionals may be in a position to cut back on the number of hours that they work every week and to make available more time for Talmud Torah. But for every, for every action, there's an equal reaction. You cut back on the number of hours you work, so then your income drops. One won't necessarily be able to maintain the same lifestyle. I don't know, week-long uh, expensive vacations in, in, in the winter may now strain the budget. Maybe it will have to be a more modest uh, day trip by car with, 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 the, with the family. Could be that, that Pesach in the hotel might not be affordable if one cuts back and, and makes available time to go into work at 10.30 in the morning or 11 o'clock in the morning or maybe be able to leave by 3.30 in the afternoon. Th there will be pain. Of course there will be pain. But the genuine spiritual attainment requires sacrifice. That's the pattern which HaKadosh Baruch Hu implanted in the Bria. Gimu Matonos Tovos, the Gemara tells us in Brochos, there were three special gifts which HaKadosh Baruch Hu bequeathed to us. Gimu Matonos Tovos, Nosan HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to the Jewish people, B'chula Nitnu Ela Al Yisurim. How do you acquire these gifts? We know that in order to acquire real estate, you can either write a, you can write a deed, you can have a star, there can be an exchange of money, that can affect the, 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 the transaction. You can demonstrate ownership by, by uh, fixing the fence around the, the borders of, of, of the real estate. There are different, there are different ways of, of, of acquisition. And similarly, for other objects. How, how do we acquire spiritual things? So the Gemara tells us they require three surim, through sacrifice. Because if a person doesn't invest, he doesn't inquire. He doesn't acquire. And that's true in, in all, in all meaningful, meaningful acquisitions. It's true even in, in the realm of interpersonal relationships. Whatever natural, instinctive love a mother, a father has for a child, that love intensifies the first time the child of Manulitzlan is uh, colicky or, uh, or, or not well and is up all night. Never mind just up every three hours, but up all night. And the parent, exhausted, spends a sleepless night loving and caring for the child. That investment, that sacrifice, deepens the bond. It intensifies the love 
which the child, which the parent has for the child. Masechus Baracharetz, the Darshanim quote, Masechus Baracharetz, one of the, the, the minor Masechus in, in, in Shas, it says, what should a person do if he senses that he harbors ill will towards someone? Torah has a mitzvah of kamocha. We should love our fellow Jews, and yet I, I know that, that, that there's a person for whom I'm not so kindly disposed. Says Masechus Baracharetz, what do you do? Do something for him. Do something for him. Sacrifice for him. Right? We would say, invite him to do something for, for me. Right? If I don't like him so much, invite him to, to give me a gift. Invite him to do something for me. Masechus Baracharetz says, no. Harotzeh, if you want to, to cultivate goodwill for your friend, do something for him. Sacrifice for him. When you sacrifice for someone, so then, then you, you, you cultivate, you develop a relationship. And the same is true with, with, with spiritual attainment as well. And that's what the Gemara says in Brachos, that there are three Matanos Torahs, which HaKadosh Baruch gave us, Torah, Olam Haba, and Eretz Yisrael. But the only way, the only mode of acquisition of these matanas tovas avosai is yisurim, sacrifice. The yisurim don't necessarily have to imply physical pain, rachman but sacrifice. It might mean working fewer hours if one's, if, if one's job allows allows itself for that. Maybe it will mean switching jobs to a job that does allow for it. Maybe it will mean passing up on some of one's some of one's recreational activities to find more time for learning. It will require sacrifice. It's not going to be easy. But it's precisely because we sacrifice and when we sacrifice that the reward is the greatest. And I'm not talking about the reward the reward we don't know what that reward is it defies description only HaKadosh Baruch Hu has beheld that reward I'm talking about the reward of living a meaningful life living a meaningful life spending hours in the base medrash again it varies depending from individual to individual what the, what the, what, how much time it's going to be but however much time it's going to be, if a person is maximizing that time, he's making as much time possible for that, the, the reward in Olam Hazah, the, 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 the meaningfulness, what a person tastes, tamu u'u, the sweetness of Torah, the kedusha of being immersed in, in Torah, just the, the reward is, is tremendous even even in Olam Hazah but it requires that sacrifice Matanos Tovos are given and acquired through, through Yisurim HaKadosh Baruch Hu give us all the wisdom to recognize the need and importance for these sacrifices to accept these commitments and may we be successful and in that schus I'll have a good year, Maxim and Tofa.